Play us in, Jim. And welcome to the After Improv Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Augusti, here as always with the Wizard, the Warrior, and the Maiden True, Jim Harper, John Yar, and Heather Anonymous. It's good, aside from Heather, to have a real professional in the house tonight with us. He's the host of his own podcast, and apparently two... Well, he said two fail podcasts, but is it just one, or it is, are, are it, you currently well, failing? Well, I think we need to redefine the word failing, as in one of them is no longer together. Okay, defunct. Defunct pod. There mm-hmm. we go. One defunct podcast, and one podcast that um, now has one avid listener, and... <laughs> No, it is a podcast. False modesty. It is a uh, podcast of truth and love that I do with my best friend, Matt Rose, that I've known since junior high. And it's called Matters. And the wonderful Eric Hankey produces it for us and is nice enough to do all the bits and pieces that I don't do or I could do, but it is much better in his hands. By the way, hey everybody, I'm Matt Noss. Oh, Matt yeah, Noss, Matt the first Noss. guest to introduce oh. himself, guys. Uh, I can't help myself. Um, yeah. I can't help myself from introducing myself and saying my full name mm-hmm. because my full name is, you know, John Yar. It's just like boom. Your full name is John Yar? My full name, <laughs> John Yar. Uh, no, it's like two syllables. It's like pop, pop. And like Matt Noss. Do you not have there a middle name? Andrew. Oh, okay. Maddie Andy is my least favorite uh, name for myself. Don't like it. I agree. Um, so that, wait a minute. A name for yourself? So you gave yourself that name and you hate it? Yes. I was just like, what is a name I don't want to be called that I could tell people about so I could expose a weakness right away that really doesn't bother me? Mm-hmm. Maddie Andy. That's mm. a lot like Tony's giant rearview mirror in his car. Yeah, I have a giant that I brought from the Hammaker Schlemmer catalog that eliminates blind spots. And everybody without fail just comments on it when I get in the backseat of my car. Or I mean, when they get in the back seat, <laughs> when they get, so you I drive. drive. The, yeah, I drive from the back seat. I have a disability, so I extended the steering wheel to the back seat. <laughs> so you go, um, look here. This is something odd. Yeah, I want I want to go get food with you, but you have to drive, and I have to sit in the back exactly. seat. Exactly. But I want to see myself in this mirror. <laughs> it's more of a fetish and slash narcissism. Could you tell me the name of that catalog again? Uh, the Hammerker Schlemmer catalog. Hammerker Schlemmer. That catalog is just one of those things of mystery. I have never seen one. Oh, really? I have a copy of it here. I'll, oh, I'll, I am. You in. know what? This is your take-home gift. Man. Boom! First take-home gift, <laughs> Look, gift in After Improv History. do this podcast and you can get a catalog. He's never given me a catalog. Dude, I'd be super pissed. Yeah, I'd be, he is. I'd be I in am. the red. I mean, you can't make John angrier than he already is, Matt. That's not He's true, like the Incredible Tony, Hulk. He's always it. angry. Wait, Heather was going to say something. Okay. Heather. But, I mean, he gave you all those beers, though. Oh, yeah. Good point, okay, Heather. Like a lot of beers. Heather, yeah. you've soothed my anger. Thank okay. you. <laughs> yeah, you've soothed his anger, not anything I did. <laughs> but anyway, Matt Noss is here. Uh, he is a, I would say maybe the an impresario, an improvisario, oh. uh, in that he, he puts on his own stuff. He's the host of the Matt Noss Variety Show, which uh, is staged monthly. At Go Comedy, it's also moving around town now as part of your yeah, so expansion efforts. Yes, we actually did our first traveling show last... Well, I don't know when this posts exactly, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it'll, uh, it'll post a week from now, so, so next perfect. Tuesday. Perfect. That is exactly the nuance your listeners want. Yeah. And I gave it to them by stopping. and <laughs> I could have just said, yes, last Tuesday. <laughs> but yeah. we did two shows in March. We just did a show at the Tangent Gallery. Um, Speaking uh, of which, this show is all about tangents. So if you go off somewhere, it's fine. Usually the guest is the person that brings the podcast back on course. So <laughs> Tony, just like hate tangents. Yeah. Is, that, is it usually math. because the guest is like, but I want to talk about me more because I have no problem with that. Oh, and no. I help. <laughs> yeah. 
John will interject, and that usually brings everything to a halt, and then we'll get back on track. That's usually how it works. It's Perfect. fun. Yeah. Perfect. I, well, I have I have listened to <laughs> The Wizard, <laughs> The Warrior, and The Maiden True. Oh, wow. He knows the stuff. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the... And he forgot someone. Well, and, and Heather Anonymous. Oh, no, The Reluctant Hero. And The Reluctant Hero. Oh, Gosh yeah. darn it. They all forget about The re- Reluctant Hero, you know? In the books, nobody thinks about Frodo. So, Matt, how long have you been doing improv for? Well, uh, 2003. October 2003 is when I took my first class at the Second City, Detroit. Okay. Because, you know, I noticed on your Go page, I don't know if you know this, but it says you've been doing improv in the Detroit area since 2013. That's good. Okay. And I was like, wow, he's really advanced. Like in two years, two you years. made Resco, uh, you did a TED Talk, you performed at Diff. Yep. And you have a monthly variety show. I was like, this guy is, uh, I want to learn his secrets. <laughs> yep. It's it's called typos. Okay. The, my, <laughs> the mad damn, never undersell a typo, guys. Yeah. He did an Ed talk. But I think, yeah. It, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. I just went to my friend Ed's house and I was like, listen to me for a minute. Yeah. He was like, all right. Yeah, Ed's very I'm going to call it at us and the Ingalong Ingers, guys. It's going to be right. a real big hit. More on that later. So I guess the thing to start off is uh yeah i've said all those things are all all true you're on uh, Res, uh resco at yep. go comedy you're part of human amusements yes uh you have the matters podcast yes and uh oh you're part of presto change which just opened two weeks ago at, at planet Ant. we were there for, or i was there for that were you guys there for that i missed it i missed okay. it but i think i saw you maybe last year do a opener we did we did yep but that was a great very physical set which everyone, that was fun yeah was everyone thought fun. that someone was going to end up paralyzed or with a severe spinal injury yeah, yeah and it was going to be tim k yeah yeah <laughs> uh because they were carrying each other anyway uh how did you get started in improv man Ooh, well that's funny well i was working in a call center okay and oh. what i do don't you do know nowadays oh uh, well i work for a call center okay uh, oh, I what, what is the center. difference oh. Well, the difference is, and it, it's been the same company my working career, mm-hmm. is that first I was on the phones, then I trained people how to be on the phones, then I wrote the training for the people that were on the phones. Now I designed the process that the training people write to give to the people who are on the phones. Guys, I just keep climbing that ladder. Wow. I am like really going for it. Top of the food chain. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. right, baby. Actually, how many of us have worked in call centers? Jim, have you worked in a call center? No. John, you worked in multiple call centers. Yeah, I managed one for a while. And you were horrible. Most recently, you were fired from Quicken for trying to erase yourself. Yes, <laughs> from existence. Yeah, I was no, with- hurting myself with erasers, so they had to get rid of me. Yeah, they they told him that somebody apparently spotted him trying to like rub an eraser on his arm. Is that in the training booklet? Yeah. Do you have a contingency for that situation? Matt? Yeah, it's called. Hey, can you stop doing that? No. Nope. In John's case, it was you're fired, even though he claims he never did it. I laughed in her face when she suggested it, which may have been a mistake. Yeah. Well, that was, th- there you go. <laughs> may have been a mistake. <laughs> I'm going to go, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know the set of circumstances yeah. of which these things occur. If you, well, here's, no. Right. I don't even want to talk about work because work is work. Is work. Okay. I, I am um, very much of the opinion that I do what I do during the day so I can do what I do at night. Okay. Because I don't have that. I have responsibilities. I have my wife. Yeah. I have a home. I have dreams and aspirations mm-hmm. and things like that. And I a really so you must work in a good call center because they haven't crushed your dreams and aspirations. 
I have... He's moved up in a call center. So. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for what we do, and I have a lot of respect for the people that actually do the job, mm-hmm. um, which, is hel- which has helped and serviced me well throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Because I remember what it was like to be there and not like making any money in debt up to my eyeballs and being like, well, they're changing everything every week, and I try not to do that. I yeah. try to be like, you know what? Here's the only thing you need to know. Here you go. <laughs> so it sounds like, did you, like in, uh, where did you go to high school? That was, a, I, I will say that I've listened to, let's see, from episode 74 backwards to episode 49 and then wow. like one through 10. Yeah. I worked Did you my, enjoy it? Did you like it? I did. I did. I learned a lot about you. But uh, you do the podcast with your best friend, Justin Rose. Who is Matt Rose? Matt Rose, damn it, because it's called Matters, and Justin I'm an idiot. Rose, is that a baseball player? That is. I used to work in the sports department. Sorry. Okay. It still bubbles up to the top. So anyway, he does not do improv, and he actually no. said one of the the not funniest, but I was like, it was such a great insight because he doesn't do improv, yep. and he said, I look at improv as I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like the people in it can only really ever talk about it with the other people that are in it. Yep. And it's like this very insular kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's really true, you know? Yes, I try not to um, overwhelm Matt with improv talk. Yeah. And I try not to... Well, luckily, I mean, I met my wife doing improv, which is awesome. So let's go back to that. Yeah. Let's hop on that for a minute. So 2003, October... See, you brought it back. See, that's what the guest does. Yep. I love it. All right. I'm at work. I realize that if this is my life... I'm going to have a very sad life. Okay. So I just, like so many people who do this, hey, Matt, you're funny. Oh, you're a funny guy, Matt. And I'm just like, well, I love comedy. Yeah. I've always loved comedy. And but you, have I a lot of, you have a lot of high-pitched friends. I have a ton. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, well, you know. I think I, we all do. It's it's weird. I was born in Helium, USA. I don't oh, okay. Know if you knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great place. We're hitting peak helium. Mm-hmm. We're hitting Pennsylvania. Yep, Helium, Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I lived there, but then we had to move away when my pet seagull died. That's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It choked on a helium balloon. Mylar, guys, it's a real threat. It's a real. Anyway, threat. go ahead. It, w- it was one of the. <laughs> you proud of that? Were you good with? <laughs> I just. You look pretty proud. One thing to know about me: disgust makes me equally as proud as laughter. <laughs> I just saw the disgust in their faces, and I was like, "I've done my job." They're now. like, "You want to try that one again?" Yeah. Are you no, okay? No. I'm You're leaving just that rolling in. with yeah. it. He's uh, definitely gonna leave it in. No, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so it was one of those things where I've always loved comedy. I, I have watched more Monty Python than most, but not as much as others. But I really loved it. I was like, man, if there's ever something, and I went to Second City shows in Chicago, and I was like, man, this is cool. And I knew that there was a Second City in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I never went. And then it was just like classes. There's classes. And I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go to the class. And, and what was the period of time between when you first thought about doing improv and when you actually did it? Very short. Okay. Very short. I know some people and like take time. The average seems to be about like three to five years. Yeah. It was once I realized there was classes, it was more of I was aware there was a second city Detroit. Yeah. And then I didn't do anything about it. But it wasn't like there's a second city Detroit and they do improv classes. Mm. I never put I never put that one in one together. I see. It was like much later. So then about three to five years after Second City opened, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, there's a Second City Detroit. Yeah. Oh, and they offer classes. I should do that. And then it was like, boom, I signed yeah. up for a level A 
and made some of the best friends in my life. People that stood up at my wedding, just like my best friends. And uh, still keep in touch with about five of the 20. Okay. Yeah. That's still pretty good. I mean... Yeah. The way that it's very interesting because at that time, Second City... um, I I won't speak ill of Second City because they gave me everything, but also their class size choice was always to err on large. Exactly. Like 20 people is not an understatement of how many people were my level A. Okay. It was so many people. When you <laughs> I hope say that was a big room. When you say level yeah. A, meaning the size of the class or the size of the people that made it to conservatory or no? The so like, well, they were smart, but they were also uh, they were also like, they it's a business. Yeah. So like, we can get twenty people into a level one or a level A or something like that. Yeah. And then they'll go, but realistically, how many of them are going to go to level B? Mm-hmm. Well, we're probably going to lose five. So now we're at fifteen. And then uh, how many people are we going to lose before they finish the first, the first wave? I'll probably lose about two, three more. How many are we going to lose in conservatory auditions? Well, we'll probably lose two there. You're talking about deaths. Yeah, we murder them. Oh, I, mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. that's all part of it. Very interesting. Uh, kind of. I thought it was mm. just the Groundlings that did murder. I didn't realize Second City did that Yeah, as well. it's kind of weird, mm. but that's just what they do. Okay. And... No, they just do something else. Oh. There's that truth that ruins you this. You ruined it, and we all believe that yeah. they were murdered. Yeah. yeah. Heather had accepted it. She just like shook her head, and she's like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> There's no counseling I delight in you <laughs> You're like, eh, what yeah. are you going to do? Very accepting. What can Very you prag- do? Uh, Heather's the pragmatist of the group. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So there was like two level A's that happened at the same time, and then um, we made it to like level D. And that's when Ann Faba joined my group. And Who is Ann Faba? Ann Faba is uh, an institution as well. Uh, okay. She doesn't improvise anymore. She kind of did it, but she was one of the first uh, Resco members from Go Comedy. Okay. Um, she did um, Love and Other Urban Legends. She did a lot of shows at the Planet Ant. I think she might even be a home team member. I'm not even sure. Uh, Possible. But, there's about 8 million of those. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot. How many are on the Resco at Go Comedy, which you are a member of? Um, I would say there's 30-ish. Okay. But of that, how many are active, would you say? I would say 25 okay. are probably active. Like, I'm... No longer in, active? I'm no longer active. Yeah. I, I would say that I have probably moved into their newest classification of resident artist. Okay. Um, so, within the last year, Go kind of realized that some people may be done with the all-star showdown. So they made a choice to give people a, a proper exit from doing that to allow people who are really excited and we need new people doing it. Yeah. Um, we need, you know, so it's not the same people doing it all the time because when I finished my story about myself, which yeah. would probably take all night. Oh, no, guys, got strap hours, in. Yeah. Yeah. This is a long story. Mm-hmm. I'm riveted. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. No, I'm John in. is a cyborg. He's literally riveted. So, yeah. Proud of that one? No, I am. <laughs> what is all this he thing? Always is. Is. I, do you think you're going to shame me? <laughs> I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to understand the point of reference. <laughs> riveted, rivets. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. I, that's I the point of reference. Those that's dots. the point of reference. We got it. <laughs> Rosie showed up, flexed her bicep. Yeah. I was oh, all see? I was Now all, you're adding to it. It is improv. I am adding. But uh, yeah, man. So, so it's funny. So I was taking Second City 
And then um, I heard that the, you know, because I'm learning short form in Second City, like A through E were all through all short form. And I was like, oh, oh so they don't teach any long form? No. Okay. So that's like the Go system kind of. It's like it very much, very much the Go system, uh, which is pretty much exactly exactly right because PJ headed up the the uh, Second City Training Center for maybe a few months. I don't know exactly the history, so I won't speak as an authority. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Okay. But I know that PJ and Pete had both taught in that system quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's as far as I can know about that. Oh, so they were, were they teachers at Second City? Yep. I oh, was okay. a teacher at Second City. Oh, okay. So yep. were you on the cast at Second City as well? Uh, none of us made it to main stage cast. Uh, PJ was part of the touring company mm-hmm. that was kind of the feeder into the main stage. And it just, he was also the stage manager for the main stage shows. Pete became more of a stage manager slash director slash other stuff when it moved to novi he did a lot of those types of things i don't know if he was the stage manager 100 percent of the time but i think he stage managed some of those shows or at least he's he did a lot of work for them and then i at the very end of second city detroit became an understudy and only because everybody left mm-hmm. um <laughs> who so, are you uh, studying under so I went in for Quentin Hicks, friend and, of the show. Yep, and I I went in for Belushi. Uh, those are the two guys I went in for. But it was after they were doing written reviews, yeah, and they were doing best ofs. So I went in in like two thousand seven. Which Belushi? Uh, Jim Belushi's son, or yeah, okay, yeah. I can't remember his first name. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's funny. He's supposed to be famous and nobody knows his name. No, no, no. His son. Know. His son. Jim Belushi's son. Yeah. Who does improv. I oh, forgot his I name. I know his name too. Um, I know his name too. He's a very nice guy. I think he's in Chicago now or something. I he, he's still doing he's it been or? all... I think he's in LA now. Oh, okay. He was in Chicago and then he moved to LA and I, I, he's going to do just fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he does not need my help. That's for well, damn you sure. Give him, a, give him a plug. You know, if you think of his name, maybe help his career along. Yeah. You know. We hold a lot of sway in the industry, apparently. In in the a southeastern lot. Michigan we're, uh, improv we're industry, down right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, we probably have at least one download in California. Yeah, we've gotten downloads as far away as Alaska. That's and I awesome. And Mongolia now, because uh, Tom Schultz, he's got he knows people in Mongolia, and they downloaded the podcast to listen to it. That's amazing. Yeah, that wasn't even a joke. International yeah. in China, right? Uh, yes, JR. Mongolia, China. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So, did, was that an aspiration of you starting out at improv? Like, I guess, what was your goal? Like, because I know you said, like, if this is going to be the rest of my life, I'm going to die. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> what? I, it I, sounds I, like his goal was not to die, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. But I <laughs> think like, that's a lot of people. They, you know, they, you know, not to say they hate their jobs, but it's like, you know, is that all there is? You know, and absolutely. Well, it was one of those things where I knew I didn't want to be a stand up. I knew I wasn't going to move to Chicago. Did you ever try stand up? No. Did you ever do theater stuff in high school? Did or? theater in high school. Okay. Did show choir. You know, like lots of jazz hands. Okay. Very oh beautiful. God. I was going to ask you what show. What's the difference between show choir and choir? But it sounds like it's the hands. It's the moving. Okay. Yeah. Like a choir will stand. Okay. And sing very well. A show choir will get ready for some glitz and glamour. <laughs> uh, did you Did you wear white gloves? We wore white tuxedo coats with red bow ties. Were wow. there sequins? 
Uh, there were on the ladies' dresses. Oh. <laughs> Where did you go to high school? I went to Eisenhower High School in, uh, that would be Utica. Okay. Now, Shelby Township. Did somebody in like your podcast crew, like you bring up Novi a lot. Uh, yes. Who did? Uh, no, my wife lived in Novi for a minute. Oh, she did. Okay. Yeah, known... And I lived in Novi for a minute. In Second City, it was in Novi. Oh, okay. I grew minute. up in Novi. So I was, okay. I was just curious because you mentioned something about like the Novi in one episode mm-hmm. uh, of your podcast about like the Novi High School Choir. And I'm like, did he go to Novi? You know, I've and never then... heard anyone get as excited about Novi. Yeah. Because it's All so obscure. Time. Like there's no reason All anybody should care about <laughs> Novi. But so whenever I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because really, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there was Second City, but most of the Second City people that were there talk about the Nova years is like the wasteland years and there's a mall and there's uh, a lot of houses yeah which is it was my experience it was the crowds it, too they hated that was the that was the main thing is that and i think everybody out there realized that i mean good god tim robinson was on main stage in novi mm-hmm. like it was great you know what yeah. i mean it, it was awesome they they performed things the audience was not there they lost the ability to do some of the satire that they would have been able to do in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, because realistically, why are the people laughing when it's in the city? It's because, Oh, we're all in this together. And we all realize that, yep, the city is a mess, but it's our mess. When you're in the suburbs and you're making fun of the city, it's like, you're an asshole, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're not there. Yeah. So they, they pulled a lot of those types of things and for good reason, but they still, I mean, good God. I mean, Quentin, wrote all the mighty quinn stuff out there you know it was they they put on really solid really good shows yeah that i think are much maligned and i think i might have maligned them at a time mm. but when i rethink about it i'm just like dude we were in a golden era like what is my problem <laughs> you know what i mean like hey man yeah it sucked there was a club that was right next door and like at 10.30, when they would do the late night show, all you could hear through the walls when they're trying to do comedy is... Oh, man. But it's just like... I mean, I got to see my friends. I got to see Jamie Moyer on stage. That killing it. We love Jamie Moyer. She's the fucking best. That's why you love Jamie Moyer. She's so awesome. Quint was out there. Quentin and Jamie had a scene with the teddy bear. That was like one of my favorite scenes of all time where just a teddy bear, Quentin going, oh, hell yeah. With a teddy bear. Oh, my God. It was like the funniest thing. I think, if anything, if I lament Second City being gone, what I lament is that there was a trajectory. And even if it was a false trajectory, you know what I mean? There was still like a brass ring of sorts where it's like, I'm in the system. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm teaching now. Maybe I can get on the touring company. If I'm the touring company and I really shine, maybe I get a chance to be an understudy. And if I'm an understudy and I do really well, maybe I get a chance to be on the main stage. You know, and I made it pretty far. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't in the cards for me. And then by the time that I got a chance to really show my stuff, I, I went to the Philippines, kind of came back. I did for a how show. Long? I was there for about three months, four months. Uh, for work or just for to work. go? Okay. For work. And um, came back and just did a show that I wasn't very good in. Mm-hmm. And Did you write it? or? Uh, yep. Okay. I co-wrote it. I, I co-wrote it with amazing people. Amazing people. Sarin Choksi, who's... He had a show called White Guy Talk Show for a while. John Hartman, who's just going to... If you don't know who he is, you're going to know who he is because he's going to fucking destroy it. Katie Thomas, who's on Teachers. Like, 
Dave Powell is just an awesome, awesome guy. Kara Troutman, who's like one of the funniest people in the world. I love these people. Like these are funny people, but I was not funny in this show. Oh, Brian Lark, Garrett Fuller. Like, mm. come on. These are guys. These are crushers. And I did this show and I was not, I was not very good in it. They might be like, Matt, you're being too hard on yourself. Me, myself, I left the show being like, you know what? I don't think I have the goods right now. And when I had the conversation with the producer, he was like, I expected more from you. And I was like, yeah, me too. And I think that's okay. Hmm. So did it make you take a break from improv after that? I mean, you'd been on a break for three months, assuming there's yeah, not improv in the what it did, Yeah, what it did is it kind of made me reevaluate things. It was funny because like right after that, I was doing a show at the second at the Planet Ant 2 called uh, Shark, Screwsbury's House of Artifacts, Relics, and Knickknacks, uh, which I was also terrible in. I played a character. I talked like this. Like that was the only character choice. By the way, high voice, not a character choice. Um, <laughs> okay. I played a dim-witted, high-voiced person. You're just trying to sound like your friends. We talked about Right, before. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just where I came from, Tony. Mm. I'm not judging you. I'm not proud of that joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, there, there's a lot of shame tied up with you, I think. About yeah, well, that's where my comedy comes yeah. from. Are you, are you Catholic? I am not. Oh, okay. No. But I went to Catholic school. So. Oh, okay. I did too. I am Catholic though, but uh, that's yeah. what it reminded me of. Like, my wife is Catholic. Church. Okay. I've been mean, I mean, going to Mass a lot. All right. Where uh, do you go? Uh, I go to... I go downtown. Oh, okay. I go to um, where we got married. Guys, <laughs> guys, I'm doing St. Aloysius. <laughs> you know that place I got married. I don't remember. I got I don't, married. don't ask me the date. Hey yeah. guys, it's St. Aloysius. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a it's a great chapel. So back to like you know, um, you felt you fucked up two shows. So I did. I fucked them up hard. I I, I could have done better. I could have done better. I could have worked harder. I I could have done a lot better in those shows. And so, what made you stay in it? The because there's stories definitely i know uh, mike mcgetting has talked about that where he left improv for uh i think like seven years something like a, a good mm. chunk of time because he just felt like he didn't know what was funny anymore yeah you know, the, you know and he just burned out but then he came back and i've heard other people say the same thing they've taken a couple of years off yeah i probably should <laughs> oh, <laughs> no really? are you thinking about taking, no, no i well so that's exclusive funny. Yeah. that's funny because I feel like I'm just yammering on, guys. That's I'm the so... whole point of the podcast. You're the man. guest. You're the sir. guest. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, we spent like our first like two seasons with no guests. So, uh, oh, you know, another reminder. He loves that we're on our seventh season, even though his podcast has been on longer than ours. And uh, <laughs> but really, I should clarify for the audience: when we take a class, that's a season. So like six weeks or you know eight weeks, whatever, depending on where you take the class. And once that class is over, then we start a new season. That's how we're on our seventh season, even though the podcast has only been on a little over a year. Tony, you have not been concerned with this until he brought it up. Yeah. Did I say I was concerned with it? No, but you <laughs> I way, felt it. So you're just accusing me of something. I did. Okay, fine. I Are felt it in your words, Tony. Yeah. Is, is your group very combative that you work with like this? <laughs> um, we, we do a ton of... Are you proud of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is the thing. It's interesting. It's like, uh, oh, maybe he, he doesn't want me to joke it. around. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, that. that's that's definitely our thing. Our other thing is very stolen and, and quite cliche. It's like, can I talk to you for a minute? Mm. Just over here. It's just you. And, and like, what we'll do it very in public, which is my favorite. So Travis will go, uh, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And then uh, PJ will be like, yeah, it's just you and me, buddy. <laughs> and, <he> also- <laughs> and it's front of... Everybody <laughs> delights me. And you also love to use the word legit. I noticed that you declare a lot of things are legit on your podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legit is uh, Guy Fieri's word. And I just <laughs> boosted it and made it my own. I was like, this one's mine. 
Um, so you, yeah, you went to the Philippines, came back. <laughs> so, I came back. I did two shows yeah. that weren't you, particularly great, and I did them at the same time. Which I would say that if you can ever avoid that, make sure that you avoid it. Oh, Do you okay. think the Philippines changed you? Yes, absolutely. What happened there that was so transformative? Um, so when I went to the Philippines, so on a personal level, it was the first time I was ever abroad. Yeah. Um, oh, this is. I also know what you're about to say. Well, maybe you're about to say, but I'm going to bring it up. Yeah, from the no, podcast. No, this is this this is true. So in the Philippines is when something that I've been holding onto not really well as a secret, but it it got exposed that I was in about forty five thousand dollars worth of debt, credit um, card debt, credit right? card debt. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Debt. Yeah, it was pretty good. I had absolutely nothing to show for it. Um, which is great. It wasn't like a student loan where I'm like, well, at least I have that thing on the wall. And it wasn't even that. It was like a um, a car that I bought, which was very nice, but did not need to buy it. And oh, I still kind? drive it. 2004 Honda Civic Si. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, that's kicking in. It's a hatchback yeah. too. I like that. It lot. is a hatch. With a stick, it's like on the dash. I like that. That's correct. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Those are, I don't see, you don't see many of those cars here. You see a lot more of them like in Europe and Asia. Yep. Well, it was made in England okay. or assembled in England. It's mm-hmm. a Japanese trans and Japanese en- engine. Are you a car guy? I am not, mm. but I love that car. Mm-hmm. I will honestly need a moment when it's time for that car to go. Mm. I, that car has seen me through a lot. So how much of the car did you put on your credit card? Well, I financed the whole thing. So when I bought that car, it was a $20,000 car and I was making $25,000 a year. Which is a poor choice. Yeah, guys. I'm just going to let you know sound, right now. Sounds like that ratio is a little off. It was really off. I was living at home. It's brand new? Yeah, it was brand okay. new. I bought a brand new car. Oh, nothing I, but the best. Nothing but the best. Yeah. Did, not, uh, did not do a nickel's worth of research that I could have done. Didn't to, even haggle or anything. Oh, there was like, no like... <laughs> I, I bought it from a friend that worked at the Honda dealership who tried to get me just into a Civic EX. Like a bare bones base levels. Uh, so he, they civic. were looking out for you. That he was about. trying to look out for me, and I was sold hook, line, sinker the moment I saw this car. I was like, that's the one. And then they did. So I didn't do any research uh, as to insurance. Here's a funny little thing about that car uh, insurance considers it a sports car. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so. That pretty much took. That pretty much quadrupled my insurance. Uh, my payment was already. I never should have done it in the first place. Luckily, I was living at home, but it was. I was over. Uh, it was just about a half of my income. Okay. Just under. Just. Wow. A, I'm guessing seven hundred a month. It was. Uh, it was five fifty. Mm. Oh, that's five, a good I, deal. Because so I leased it. That's your pay. Oh, because I leased it. It was a two fifty mm. lease with a trade in. And then 300 insurance. And were you living on your own or at home at this time? I was living with my mom in Shelby Township. Okay. In, so then, so this is about 2004. Uh, then the Improv Inferno opens in Ann Arbor. Because I was not going to get onto the Planet and Home team yet. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the chops and I knew it. Are you on the Planet and Home team? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. I oh. saw you perform when you opened with them and I wasn't sure yep. if you were just guesting or... Because usually you seem primarily go center. I Well, I've... Go At base. This, I yeah, say. well, go adjacent. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So uh, it was like 2004. I bought the car. I was taking classes at the Ant, and then around 2005 is when the Improv Inferno opened in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. and I was not part of the original audition cast for that, but I took classes out there with Dan Izzo, who was the owner, and it's like yeah, I, I think 
I think everybody should take classes from everywhere to see what you like. I took classes from Mishko Terry. I took classes the Second City. I took classes from Margaret, the aunt. When Dan opened up, we took classes from Dan. We did the uh, Chicago uh, Improv Festival where they had a whole day workshop. We did that. It was mm. like, you know, ravenous. I wanted to take as many. I love improv. Yeah. I wanted to take every class that I could possibly get. Like one of my favorite things was from the Chicago Improv Festival where a teacher from the Second City went, here's the thing about improv. It's such a new art. Nobody's right yet. You know, like Kabuki, somebody's right about Kabuki because it's so ancient and so steeped in its traditions mm-hmm. where it's like that. If it is this, then it is Kabuki. But improv is like not even 100 years old yet in the sense of how we are the practitioners of it. Yeah. I mean, sure, you could go back and you could be like, oh, well, you know. There's Commedia dell'arte and things along those lines. And yes, but the the way that we practition it out of theater games and into long form sets and what Del Close was doing, it's very, very new. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no real right, which is kind of funny because like I would die on a hill for my thoughts on improv where it was like, Second City has the best thing. And then it was like, you would actually go through the Second City stuff and then you got introduced in McNapier stuff and you're like, McNapier's right, 100%. I'm 100% for him. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, you got to let that stuff go because it's all tools and it's all ingredients. And there's somebody, there's a kid in Iowa right now who's not seen any of that who would crush all of us on stage. You know what I mean? Like, What's his name? Yeah, what's his name? Well, I don't know yet. <laughs> oh. I, we were, and I, I just always kept that with me where it's like, nobody's right, which has helped me let a lot of things go. Like what kind of things? Like getting caught up in those improv conversations that you can have about theory. You know, I think everybody has a different aspect to it. And it's all just the way that you use tools or you use the thing to get where you want to go. Like Kurt Braunholer out of New York who had a show and he's, uh, he was part of a team called Neutrino in New York, they were the first ones to do the video projects. He was on a, a podcast that I listened to because I listened to all the New York podcasts because I, I still love it. And he was talking about, ideally, I would put you on a mountaintop for 100 years and not tell you what's right or wrong. And then after 100 years, you would be great because you would figure it out yourself. But instead, we got to come here and we got to get the rules and we got to, or we don't have the rules and we help and you find it through failing. Like, oh, I didn't support enough or I didn't make a bold enough choice or Mm -hmm. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I think it just helped me find like, oh, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. There's a lot of ways to get there. And if you get caught up in one way being the 100% right, then if that works for you for the time, great. It might not work for you over the period until you develop your own thing. Like my thing isn't the ants thing or second city's thing or ghost thing. It's my thing. So is there like for an example, like of how your philosophy differs from those schools or something you routinely ignore? Like for example, Tim Lally, when he was on, he was talking about, uh, yeah, I don't like the thing about, uh, you know, establishing like, you know, naming someone and where you are. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't really subscribe to that. I just, you know, subscribe to like starting like a relationship and trusting in that person, putting all your trust in that person. Yeah. 
So is there an example that, that you can think of that like, oh, well, this isn't something I would teach like a beginning improv student, but it's something I do. There isn't anything that I do that I don't teach a beginning improv student, mainly because I don't treat beginning improv students like they can't handle anything advanced. Mm-hmm. So I'll come in and I'm very concerned about things like trusting your instincts. Yeah. You know, I think your instincts are the things that you should really be working on and working on and working off of. So I'll come into a class and I'll say, here's my point of view on this. In the first 30 seconds of any scene, you establish a playground. If we were to improvise any scene that we have right now, we would make a playground. May not be the best playground, maybe the worst playground, but it's a playground nonetheless. Most of the times, that 30 seconds that we just spent establishing that, second 31, we ignore that we built it and we start building another one. And now Mm -hmm. I have another minute and a half where I don't know who anybody is or why we're watching this scene. And then the scene ends and everybody goes to the back line frustrated. My goal is to say that 30 seconds was good enough. That you have enough there to move on, to Mm -hmm. grow on and to develop more from it. And the reason I say that is because most story arcs start off small. You know, like you get, you know, if there's a really, 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 really great, and I say that without hyperbole, video game YouTube channel. I forgot what it was called, but it Hamtown was Hamtown Gamers. It was called Hamtown Gamers. <laughs> no, uh, I hear those guys are great. I like yeah, them. Really, uh, really good. It's yeah. really, really good. You're welcome. Um, but it, it it talked about theory and it talked about um, theory in video games and things okay, along theory, those lines. Okay. But they uh, they did a really good. Uh, Joseph Campbell wrote the you know, uh, Man hero, with a Thousand, hero yeah, with hero thousand, thousand Faces. And um, they go through story arc, but really well through a video game. Um, I think this video game was Sand. Uh, oh, okay. But I've they, heard of it. I haven't played it. But they talk about um, the perfect story arc really is in Star Wars, mm-hmm. where you're kind of introduced to the hero you, and you go through it and like how everything arcs up. But I, I, I take a look at it as just like you're going through a curve. Like when you start a scene, it's just getting off the docks, right? You're just getting, you're getting pushed up there. And then you've got everything that's come before you to build off of, to get to the next points. And then you try to get to the highest point that you can, and then you run it out. And sometimes you get edited before any of that can happen. And sometimes it runs out and you still haven't gotten edited. Mm -hmm. But like, because I care about show and I care about show because I care about what the, like we ask so much from our audience. From a non-improv point of view, like as an improviser, I can watch improv and I know what the hell's going on. Yeah. But from a non-improv audience coming in, it's just like the only thing that's going to matter to them at the end is like the story. Yes, they want it to be funny. And there's a lot of ways to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's ways to get laughs. You know, like Margaret talks about that all the time. Like they would be doing a set and they would pull out this thing that they knew would work. And when she was on main stage, Second City, mm. she would be like, this is the thing that we would do. And we, we always knew that it would work. You know, and that's we, interesting because like, teachers always talk about don't load. You know what I mean? Like, don't come in there with bits because they're never going to work. That is very true because it's. But I don't think that's true. You know, like, uh, I don't know. Well, we yeah. don't want you to do that, yeah. especially when you're new, because number one, we want you to find more stuff. Yeah. You know, like we need you to find new stuff. You got to find, you don't know what your voice is when you're brand new, right? Like you yeah. don't even, if what normally happens is somebody comes in and they do 
Bill Murray from Caddyshack, which is dated as fuck. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, they'll come in and do Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've seen Adventure Time. I know what Adventure Time is. I don't need you doing Adventure Time on stage. Yeah. Get your Ice King the fuck out of here. Exactly, bro. You know, take, take <laughs> wow, you Finn. Got a, you got a bro out of man. A, Come on, bro. Yeah. Get that backpack off. But, you man. know, that is true. That is that is the most annoying thing is like even if you hear like a friend say, oh, you got to meet this guy. He's so funny. And then you meet them and all they do is catchphrases. Right. They're doing other like, people's shit. Up. Yeah. Fuck you. You know, like you know, they're, they're thank you for culminating all the comedy that I've already seen in the world into one person. Like, yeah. that's great. And I've been that guy, too. So don't. Don't get it twisted. Don't think that I'm sitting here and never have done a yeah, baby, trying to get a laugh, even though I don't think I ever did a yeah, baby. But I, was I definitely. Say, I can't, really? Wow. But I I've, think we should hear one right now. <laughs> yeah, baby. Come yeah. on. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've, but I've definitely done. I've done stuff from Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I've done stuff from George Carlin. I've definitely done other people's stuff trying to get a laugh from somebody. But when I started taking improv and they're like, don't do that. Find you. Yeah. You know, like, I still don't know who I am, really. And I think I'm getting better, but I, I we'll close it out. Um, close out a thought. Okay. <laughs> no, well, the thought was, you know, you asked me if I was going to quit or if I thought about quitting at that time. Yeah. Margaret asked me to do the Christmas show at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I said no to anything. Oh, okay. I, you know, this was at Planet Inn or at, this was uh, at Planet Inn. Okay. And it was like a major eight o'clock Planet Ant show. Everything that I've done there has been a late night. I have never done an eight o'clock at the Planet Ant. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what I've always wanted because I knew I was never going to get Second City. Yeah. I was like, this is what I want. And I had to say no. Because I wasn't in the right headspace to do it. And I would have been terrible. And I Because I came off those two shows where I just, I didn't feel top of my game. So I took that one off. Did you and, tell her that? Or did you just tell yeah, her? Yeah. Uh, no, I called her. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I really want to do it. But I can't do it. And I know I can't. I left her this rambling message. And I talked to her about it maybe a year ago. And she's like, don't even worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, she was like, it is funny how like the effect we think we have on others when we're really thinking about ourselves and people don't even uh, care. I mean, you see that a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, with high school bullies. We're like, I don't even remember like who you are. And the person's like, you made my life hell. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I said no there. I took some time off. It's 2007 now. Um, and you're still $45,000 in debt to bring. Um, so back yeah. So I'm, I'm still in that much debt. So wait, who who was it that found out that first? Like, because my did, mom. Okay, my mom was opening my mail when I was in the Philippines, and she was like, "You lied to me," which I did. Well, you and told her you were only did like you fifteen. Tell her the th- car cost. Yeah, did she ask about how you getting this car? She she knew. Well, she knew that I was buying the car, and she knew that I financed the car. What she didn't know, she had helped me consolidate some of my multiple credit cards into one credit card that she had co-signed for. Um, but here's the funny thing about finance. Uh, doing that without changing behavior changes nothing. And I had not changed behavior. Mm. Uh, so it was just like stupid. You know, I was right back up to where I was. And now I have two credit cards where at the same level. It was really, really dumb. I was making every bad, stupid choice that you could possibly make, not thinking about the future, not, not doing it. Now, right. was it most of it? Because I, I think this is interesting because I knew people like you. How old are you at this time? 
I am, well, I'm 38 right now, and I've been debt-free since 2009, so this is 2006, so yeah, I was uh, 28. 28, okay. 27, 28. Because this happened to a number of people I knew in college where, you know, I don't know if they still do it, but at the time, you would go, like, I started college in, like, 95 at Wayne State, mm -hmm. uh, and they would have, like, all these tables out where you sign up for, like, a I did credit that. card, and Discover. you got like, a free, yeah, t-shirt or, like, a, a water bottle, yep. and they started banning a lot of those from college because kids would buy cards, and they have no idea about finance, and I saw this happen to a number of friends, and they'd run up, like, five, ten grand in credit card debt and have to drop out to pay it off. But yep. it sounds like you're kind of, everything stemmed from one major purchase, or were you buying a lot of stuff you didn't need? Um, well, the car was a bad choice, but almost there, shortly thereafter, I, I moved up a little bit in pay, so it wasn't as bad. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't paying rent as much. I was paying like maybe $150 for rent. Yeah. So I was able to pay the car, but I was paying minimums on the credit cards. Uh, and that's what really yeah. got me. And guys, if they ever call you and they say, you know, we're going to put some protection on there just in case you lose your job. Um, don't do that. <laughs> And the reason is the protection basically makes your minimum go to pay for the protection. Mm -hmm. So for years, I had this protection on that did not pay into my balance at all. Your principal, yeah. Yep. So it was like, it was bad decision after bad decision. It was, it was just stupid. So then I get home from the Philippines and I flew coach i could have flown first class but i flew coach because my company would give me a thousand dollars if i flew coach instead of flying i was like sure wow, i can do that awesome i get home and my aunt who lives with my mom uh was like hey you know i i heard that you're in a little bit of debt i just found this guy his name's dave ramsey i got his book I was like, well, I don't know anything. I listened to it. It was like, this is exactly what I need. Three years later, I'm out of debt. Wow. So, yeah. Do you guys know who Dave Ramsey is? Not you, yet. You is he a guy that knows about debt? He's a guy. You'll see him. I think he has a national radio show. He, he does. does. He's and number the, three. Yeah. And he has... Uh, you see him a lot on the internet, actually. Like He yeah. has like uh, clips. But basically, he gets people, helps people get out of debt with... You know, well, why don't people you talk have about... a very strong love hate relationship yes, with Dave Ramsey? Say. I love the dude. Mm -hmm. He can be a little way too right leaning for my taste. I'm not vocal about my faith, and he's overly vocal about his faith at times. Mm -hmm. That can make me not uncomfortable, but it's just like, all right, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, <laughs> so it's just one of those things. But his plan, it's like you've heard it before. He just pack. He's a great marketer. He just packaged it up really simple, and it made all the sense in the world to me. And I was like, step one, get a thousand dollars in the bank because you're going to stop using credit cards today. I'm like, okay. So I had, I had a thousand dollars because I flew coach. Uh, step two, line up all your bills, smallest to largest, and pay the smallest ones. Uh, pay extra on the smallest ones first to get rid of them. Okay, did that. Then once you get the smallest one paid off, paid off the second smallest one with all the money you were paying on the smallest one and just let the money roll. So by the time you're paying your last ones, you know, if you started with $10 going to all of them, you know, now by the end, if you had 10, now you got $1,000 a month going to the last one. It's like, oh, okay, that totally made sense. And I did that. So but did you have to cut back on your lifestyle in any way? The thing is, I didn't. I didn't have to change anything. Wow, it's interesting. It's stupid. It was the stupidest. Like I just straight up meandered into it. Well, the, here here was the other thing. I stopped buying records. Like I I had a bunch of CDs, 
so the, the and that's the thing is like I come out of it now like I just ta- I just told the story to a, a friend recently I bought a soda stream recently okay oh. a, a soda stream I love it to save money or just uh... I love carbonated water now this okay. is a new thing this year totally new thing really I love flat pop People think I'm weird. Love flat pop. You do? Love oh, flat really? Pepsi, dude. Wow, it's a rare, it's it's a so rare breed. Dude, I love the syrup. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. the syrup. So good. So good. So good. Ice cold. Yes. Yes. Yeah, do you love Slurpees too? Or? I love Slurpees. Yeah. Uh, I like them hot. Yeah. I thought this was a really funny story. On your podcast, you talked about it. Uh, it was a revelation, actually. Um, you had a get out of debt party. Was yes. Did that go? Yes. And then you mentioned, like, you thank God, I believe, in your yes. speech. And then Jen Hansen, who was there, laughed out loud because she thought you were joking. Yes. And you weren't joking. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> and she never told you until no, how many she, years How many years later was it that she... Would, that would have been... Like last year? Or? It was last year. So, yeah, that was like six years later. <laughs> <laughs> so, she held on to the secret for yeah. six years. So, I should say she's a member of uh, Human Amusements, which... Yes. It sounds like that's your core troop. I know you're part of... Uh, well, I'm part of... Yeah. So, yeah, let's just hop to that. Yeah. So, let me try to wrap up everything that I was meandering about. Yeah. So, did time at... Uh, did time... You were in jail? Okay, wait. Let's, let's jump to that. Hey, guys. Prison's hard. Yeah. Um, so prison improv. We did the Improv Inferno. Uh, went to the Philippines. Came back. Improv Inferno had closed by that time. Mm-hmm. 2007, um, they were still doing the Damnation game at a place in Ann Arbor called Live at PJ's um, in the basement. It never worked out. It was pretty bad. Was it like PJ Jacobs or no? No, PJ? it was just called Live He's at the PJ of record in my book. He is the PJ of record. Yeah. Um, and then... So now it's like the end of two, the middle of 2007, the Inferno's gone and I'm teaching at Second City and I'm teaching a ton because those checks for teaching at Second City, Mwah! they Hell charge a lot, yeah. they charge a lot more for classes, right? It was still, it was still two hundo. Oh, okay. I love the word hundo. Wow. Uh, it was still two hundo, but um, they were very generous. They were very was it generous. Was because of the large class sizes? I think it was. I think okay. it was. How many like people would you have? In, like you said, twelve or? Well, I I stopped teaching intro classes. I'm, they're not my favorite to teach. Okay. Um, you get disgusted. Uh, you know what it is? Is <laughs> I don't I, know why I said the disgusted, but I I just get sick to my stomach. No, uh, <laughs> when I see people's yeah. eyes light up. Was that about another the fucking question? Yeah. Yeah. About the mysticism of improv. Yeah. Black uh, magic, as Chris Peterson calls it. I I like coming in. Like my favorite classes to teach are right when you're starting long form. Oh, oh, you share that with Bob Wick. He said the same thing to us. Those those are my favorite classes mm-hmm. to teach. Um, what do you like so much more about that? Do you like long form over short form? First of all, I my preference is long form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they both have something to teach. I think they both can be very enjoyable. I prefer watching long form over short form. But I will take a great short form team any day of the week. Mm-hmm. If you're great, you're great. I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. Like, just be great. If I'm going to watch good, I want to see long form. If mm-hmm. I'm going to watch okay, eh, give me short form just because it's games and they're all over soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to sit. And this is just because the teacher in me comes out where I'm just like, edit, edit, edit. I think anybody. Edit! Yeah. Would you edit? Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, so is that part of the reason, do you think that your preference for long form <clears throat> is why you got away from performing with Resco? Because uh, that's th- a good question. You, I think it's yeah. a very fair question. You it, talked about it on the podcast, your podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a, it, there was a particular show and you were like, 
Well, yes. So what happened was, what had happened was, uh, I, I was, love that. That's my favorite phrase. I was doing shows and I, I was hosting, which is fun, but a lot of work. Um, but then I started doing the variety show and I was like, I was going to do the variety show and then hop right into the showdown right after that, after hosting the variety show. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then like the next week or so, there was a Saturday night show in Detroit and I'm driving down there. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this show. And then I quit. And that was it. Because never, ever, 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 ever do that to yourself or to the audience. The audience pays money to see performers. There's tons of performers that want to play. Were you you surprised you reached that point? Because, I mean, I can see how someone... I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I can also see how... Like someone that's just starting an improv, like, man, I would kill to be on Resco. I can't imagine right. not wanting to be so. Yeah. Did you ever feel like guilty about that? Like, oh, like I'm. No. Okay. No. Here's how I operate. It, it also, I love that. I love that question. I think it's, a, I'm glad you asked it. Thanks. Um, because I, I would, if anybody is listening, when you get a gig, your job, in my mind, is to give 100% of yourself. Because. There are now, because this community has gotten stronger than... The improv boom. Yeah, than it was in 2008 when Go opened, you know, because we, we lost a lot. I'm not, I'm not being... I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. We lost a ton of people to Chicago. I mm-hmm. lost a lot of friends, a lot of people that I talked to. You know, it was like Tim and Sam and Tara and Brett, Amy Phillips... Tim McKendrick, and then I lost, like, I just lost, Choxie moved, and then Dave Powell moved, and Katie moved, and John Hartman moved. Did you think of moving? No, no, it was not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to Chicago and do that. That wasn't it. And part of it's just, like, my overwhelming realism, Mm -hmm. where, like, to the point of eliminating my own dreams whether like what were those dreams just i i want people at my shows okay but did you want to be like i want to be on snl i want to make movies i want to be touring around the country in my own you know like doing stadium shows Mm -hmm. i think i was more of a realist than that like i just did i want second city main stage absolutely Mm -hmm. i'd be 100 percent lying would i ever want to be on in my history of life have i ever wanted to be on saturday night live absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely i would have loved it or mad tv or any of that stuff so my thing is that you got you got to give yourself you got to give your commitment 100 percent to the the thing that you're in which is why i didn't do margaret's show because i just did two shows that i didn't feel like i gave it 100 percent. but i wanted to do the inferno shows so those I kept doing mm-hmm. and I wanted to teach because I really loved teaching and I learned a lot about improv through teaching again. Mm-hmm. And then when Go opened, I auditioned for it because that was something I wanted to do. And when Go opened, I mean, it was rough. I mean, we had audiences sometimes and then most times of that we haven't. I mean, Wednesdays and Thursdays have always been rough there. Yeah. And Sundays are hit and miss too. Yeah. You know, but Fridays and Saturdays are when the audiences come along and the audiences in general, we give a very straight ahead, never having to seen improv before in your life show, which is super, super fun to do because I like hearing people laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, like 
Yes, it's art, but I like to be liked. I yeah, like people laughing. Yeah, we all do. And I like you. Thanks, buddy. But you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, I, I, you know, like there was never a point that I was doing the showdowns and thinking, oh, this. When I, first, <laughs> when I had that thought, it was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been incongruent for me to keep going because I have said countless times that is just like, we are here to do our best job because there's a kid in Iowa. I come back to this kid in Iowa a lot. Well, I wish who you would tell us who it is. It's kind of Who unfair. would kill himself to yeah. get out here and have this in his backyard. Yeah. And he's very talented. He's incredibly talented. He's yeah. better than all, all of us. us. He's better we'll than all of us. us. He's been on top of mountain for a hundred years. But guys. he won't be, but he won't get a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, lucky we are to be alive right now. You know, but that that's the thing. So when I had that thought of like, eh, I don't want to do this, I stopped. Did uh, anybody in the, like, because I mean, a lot of your friends are in there. Were they like, hey, yep. what are you doing, man? No. Yeah. Chris uh, D'Angelo was just like, well, take a break as long as you want. If you want to come back, you're welcome to come back. And then uh, the other day he's like, are you done? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done. Okay. Hey, folks, this is Tony, and thank you for listening to the uh, Matt Noss episode of the After Improv Podcast. Matt actually had so many good things to say that rather than cut the heck out of it, we decided to break it into two episodes and release them back to back. So be sure to check out episode two with Matt, which will be released hopefully the day after this one. Also, while I have your attention, our friends at the Detroit Creativity Project have a series of fundraisers coming up. They're going to be at the Kaju Cafe. If you don't know, the Detroit Creativity Project is a really great organization that gives free improv training to high school and middle school students. The fundraisers, which will feature Rock-O-Matic, among other performers, will be on April 5th, May 3rd, and June 7th from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And get this, they are free to attend for those 21 and over. So you might be wondering, well, how are they going to raise any money if they're not charging any money? Here's how it works. You show up at the Kaju Cafe, you get in for free. Watch some great improv, and that's it. Now here's the catch. A portion of the food sales will go to the DCP. So the only thing you have to do is be hungry and order stuff. So be sure to skip breakfast and lunch, which are completely overrated as meals anyway, and order a bunch of food at the Kaju Cafe and stuff your face in between laughing, all for a good cause. The Kaju Cafe is located at 4300 Kaju Road in Detroit. So I will see you there, unless I'm too busy editing this podcast, which takes up a disturbingly large portion of my life. <laughs> Play us out, Jim! Oh, Matt and Oz is after improv show. Pow, pow. Pow, pow! I still don't understand what that means. Pow, pow! <laughs> <laughs>